Kawara morning. It's just, uh, it's not just there's something in the air, right? It's not just a new song, but uh, I really believe that the coming of spring and people kind of lifting up. You know, winter is over. Did you know that? You get a minor frost here and there and a minor snowstorm. But officially, <laughs> officially, winter is finished. And uh, spring is just the most gorgeous time of the year in this city, in this region. So um, I also believe that this season is a season of real growth in us and through us. And uh, September is always a special month in church. It's where we set out what we feel like God is, is moving and brewing in us for the next year. Uh, we like to get ahead, you know, because the planning for next year started long ago. And we don't want to wait till January. Like we we, we kind of set our agenda and our vision before the year starts and gives us time to prepare and plan for that season. And, and I want to just declare this morning that there's going to be life flowing out from this church to this region to the people who need it. And we started this whole journey at a C3's Got Talent, which was a heap of fun uh, last week, week before. I don't know when that was, but it was fun. And, uh, and I just shared about 10 minutes of this little, little journey to kick it off. But we're going to dive into that throughout, throughout September, this whole theme of life flowing out, setting ourselves up for a great 2024 and beyond. Not really for us, but beyond, right? Because we're here for the people who are not here. And that's where we're going. Jesus, I'm praying this morning as you come Lord, as we get excited about spring, about possibilities, about faith stirring, Lord Jesus, that you would give us such a sense of what you're doing amongst our friends, our family, our communities. So Lord, just uh, go with whatever you're doing and drag us with you. And thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. I work also, you probably know, in education and sort of the crossover with IT. And a problem, uh, sorry, problem, a, a question I'm often asking my team in that world is, someone comes with an idea and I tell them, what problem are you trying to solve? People have great ideas. I say, well, well, what problem are you trying to solve with that solution? And why should we do that? And asking the why about the problem, and is it the right problem to solve? is important. There's lots of ideas in our world, and lots of problems, but why should we focus on a particular problem? And then once we've got that, we can look at the real solution. So I want to look, think about our world right now. What, what, what problem, what idea, what, what can this church give to our community that is distinct and unique and actually far more refreshing than anything else, that, uh, anything else in our community can give? Here we go. Have you ever been to the Dead Sea? Really? I've, I've not been. Joan's been to the Dead Sea. There's a picture behind me. Man, just Joan. I, I would love to go there one day to you know, the Holy Lands and throughout there. But this is the Dead Sea. It's, it's the lowest elevation on planet Earth in terms of landfall. 400 meters below sea level. It's astonishing. The Jordan River flows into this. If you know your geography, it flows down in the middle you know, so it does, it's disconnected from the ocean. Most rivers flow into the ocean. This one doesn't. The Jordan flows into the Dead Sea. It's the saltiest place on the planet. About 
34% salt, apparently. And, you know, legend says you can just float on it and, uh, and cruise along. But what's also true is that nothing lives there. Fish that end up in there quickly die because of the excessive salt. So there is a bit of algae, I'm told. But, but in terms of sea life, fish, you know, turtles, all the other lives there, it's desolate. It's a desolate place. Nothing lives there. Have you been there? Have you been there in your world? Have you been to a desolate place where you feel like things are not living? Have you been to a space of trial where things just seem to die, even if you can float above them? It's like nothing works. We're going to talk about this. King David lived in this area. He would have known this Dead Sea. King David in the Old Testament was a, was a king, obviously, but he had lots of enemies, including those in his own kind of court. King Saul, it was a continual battle before he became king. And then even he was king, he had issues with his children and continual battles fighting on different sides. Philistines and all sorts of countries would try to invade he knew what it was like to live in a desolate place. And if you read the Psalms, it's full of lament, full of almost frustration. For example, Psalm 143, verse 3. David writes this. He says, The enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me, and my heart within me is appalled. He's in a situation probably with one of his sons, Absalom. Probably he's writing this as a lament and a frustration. God, have you been there? You've been to essentially the, the Dead Sea where nothing seems to work, and uh, you can identify with David. But look at verse 3. It says here, the enemy has pursued my soul. You know what? You and I have an enemy. He's called the devil. He's real, by the way. There's battle on. It's not against flesh and blood. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, and we live in a spiritual world. You'd be foolish to deny the presence of good and evil. Satan is our enemy, and he pursues our soul. Sometimes, if we don't understand or don't know that, it doesn't kind of make sense. Why is life so hard sometimes? Why is it when I try this, oh, I can never get it right. Why if I go over here, it feels like, you ever been there? Trying to push things. Well, King David felt this Dead Sea effect. Let me look at this. Result of enemy fire. David said, number one, he's crushed my life to the ground. That word crush means to break in pieces. It's the first effect of the Dead Sea life. Crushed, broken in pieces. Have you ever felt broken in pieces? It's when life falls apart. It's when there's a, there's a serious trauma and literally you feel like you're in pieces. Maybe relationships are in pieces. The dreams you had are shattered. Maybe it's your future. You can't even get a sense of the future ahead of you because so much has kind of come at you 
you feel like, I, I don't even have the strength to get up again. Crushed. David felt that. It's the Dead Sea effect in his life. Nothing lives. And it leads people to a life of anxiety and fear, of not being able to even rise up. The, every step they take, they feel like, oh, I don't know if it's the right thing anymore. What, what if it doesn't work? And I'm so afraid of that situation, this person. I and, it, and it just causes a withdrawal and a lifeless. It's broken in pieces. It's the first of David's Dead Sea effect. Do you know people like that in your world? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that. It's, it's a natural part of life, but it's not the life that God intended. The second thing that David says that felt like he was sitting in darkness. The lights had gone out. Literally, that word means Hades or hell. Felt like he was just in hell. And we, we joke about that, you know. How was, how was work today? Oh, it was hell, you know. But it's no joke. It's, it's a lifeless, soul-destroying, crushing reality where there is no future, where you feel invisible, where no one notices you. You're hidden. You're alone. You're empty. David felt that at times, that it's like I'm just completely stuck in the dark. It's not, not just crushed in pieces, but, but like there's no light. I can't see. There's no future. It is the condition of our age because it leads to depression and hopelessness. Literally, the lights have gone out. Sometimes it's triggered by deep relational fallout. One of the things that afflicts us the most is, is a close relationship, a betrayal, something that just cuts right in. For David, that was so true. For David and Saul and, and his children, there was deep relational hurt that happened. It is so, again, the condition of our age. Betrayal, hurt, workplace bullying, family situations. I'm sure that you've experienced it or, or know somebody who has. The third thing that David describes in this psalm is being overwhelmed. He says, my spirit faints within me. It's like the engine can't start it, powered down. That word overwhelmed from the Hebrews is to languish or faint. It's, it's being overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe it's a health situation, being battered by, by health, like our friend Dan in hospital this morning. You know, pray for him. He just keeps getting knocked, right? Like you try to get well, and then something else happens. That it's difficult. Maybe it's a financial crisis. You, you're trying to get ahead, but it's like I keep, I keep facing enemy fire. I keep bill after bill. Interest rate rises. Rent rises, you know. Maybe it's just life circumstances that are just crushing in and overwhelming you, causing you to faint, causing you to have no courage. Or simply navigating life's complexities. Life is not easy. Has anyone succeeded yet in life? It's difficult, isn't it? You think we would have worked it out by now? We've been doing this thing called life for thousands of years. But there's an enemy who's trying to destroy our life. And the fourth thing that David talks about is I'm calling the Dead Sea effect. He says, My heart within me is appalled. 
That word means horror. It's a horrifying situation. These situations are like with a, there's, a, there's a war zone. And, you know, you think about our world right now. Some of the images from Ukraine, parts of Africa, uh, even just parts of what, what we would say are, is, is a Western democracy. There's some scenes in our world that, that are desolate and a horror that you just would not want to live in. Like a, like a Ukraine flat that's been bombed to the ringer. Horrifying. People are living in situations like that, maybe facing an emergency of some sort or a crisis or a health crisis. Just all you can feel is that my heart is appalled within me. Maybe it's famine. There are people who are just trying to live, trying to get food. Maybe it's a natural disaster. That's just, it's a hurricane that's bearing down on them or, or a volcano that's happened. Or, see, our world is fragile. You might be thinking, that's a cheery message, Lloyd. But see, unless we know the problem, we're not going to be having the right solution. We have to sit with the problem. This is the problem. David defined it really, really well. And we could finish there and go, that was cheery. Our world has no hope. But I tell you, there's hope. Not just for us for the world around us. There, there is something unique in this space that is absent from most other places around us. There's something unique about the church of Jesus. There's something alive about the church of Jesus that overcomes everything like fear. And Jesus said it in John 10, 10. He says, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. We see that, right? We see people's lives. We see our own lives. But, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Can you see what Jesus is coming to do? The enemy has, has weighed lace, the world, it's the Dead Sea effect, but Jesus says, I come that they may have life, not, not just a little bit of life, what is it? Life abundantly. Some scriptures say life to all its fullness. Life abundantly, that's our birthright. John Healy, that's the, where are you? That's the revival, that's the getting back. That's what's coming back to you, is life abundantly. Abundantly, you might have 20% life right now. You know, your battery didn't charge overnight. But Jesus is going to give you 100%. And that will flow out of you. This is good. Come back to the Dead Sea with me. I want to show you something really exciting. That I, I want to sit with this all night. Because there's a river. There's a river. There's a picture in the Bible that I've just been so captured by it. It's in Ezekiel. It's in a fair chunk of Ezekiel from about 40 to 47. And it describes the temple. You see, see, God's people at that time, they were stuck. They were taken out of their homeland, their promised land, because of their own stupidity, actually, and their own sinfulness and waywardness. And God's right, up, up you go, and, uh, and carted them across the desert to a place called Babylon. And there they sat and wept. There's a song about that. For 70 years in Babylon, lost their land. They lost their hope, their future. It's a Dead Sea effect. But the prophet Ezekiel sees a vision. He sees a vision of a temple. It's a magnificent temple. Magnificent. It was never actually built. But in the middle of the temple, 
is a river, is a source, and it's a trickle. <laughs> this is Ezekiel 47. Let me summarize it. There's a trickle coming out from the altar. Now, the altar is the place of sacrifice. In the middle of that altar is a, is a trickle, and, and Ezekiel looks down. He sees this little bit of water. Now, that's interesting. And the water becomes a bit more of a, of a little kind of stream. He goes, oh, it's up to my ankles. And then, it, then the river gets bigger, and, and it's up to his kind of waist, his hips. And then suddenly he looks. He says, I can't even cross that. This river has, has magnified this whole area, and it's coming from the source. It's coming from the presence of God that exploded into this temple. Ezekiel saw a picture of this temple being filled with the presence of God. And I believe that temple is the church. It's the church today. It's, it's the, the place because we are, the New Testament tells us, the temple of God. Did you know that? We're not waiting for some temples we built. We are the temple. We are with the holders of the presence of God. And this picture, I believe, is a picture of the church. And out of this church comes a river. Because the presence of God, wherever he goes, creates life. Life. It's springtime, right? And, and he looks in this river. Oh, I'll read it. I'll read it. <laughs> Ezekiel 47, verse 8. And he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. And watch what happens. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things. Wherever the water of this river flows, fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Do you see it? This Dead Sea effect where people are drowning in all kinds of circumstances. There's a river that's coming. There's a river coming from the throne of God into the people of God because we are the temple of God, the carriers of His presence. And wherever we go, life flourishes. Look, the waters itself, that like the 34% salinity factor becomes zero. This Dead Sea becomes a living place like the Mediterranean full of fish, full of abundance, swarms of living things, he says. Fish will abound, this water will become fresh, and life will flourish. So poke the person next to you and say, life will flourish. Uh, poke harder, life will flourish. Life will flow out. It's flowing out of this stream. Yes, yes, Harry. Life it's going to flourish. This is what Jesus does to places where people are stuck. New Testament. Let's look at the book of John. Pick up any gospel and you read the pages of what Jesus did and you can see life. Look, look, look what happens. Do you remember the woman at the well who was crushed, right? Crushed through her own circumstances, her own failings, and who knows what had gone on in her poor well. Jesus walks in and gives her life. And she says in John 4, she says, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? She becomes free. You see her, her crushed state of brokenness. She becomes whole and free because the river of the water of life, what Jesus does and brings, is freedom. Do you remember Lazarus? Oh, we love the story of Lazarus in, in John 11. Lazarus. He's one of Jesus' close friends, and he dies. 
And Jesus is somewhere else and he hears about it and he goes, oh, well, no worries. He keeps going on what he's doing. And his disciples said, hang on. He says, just wait. Just wait. I want you to see his glory first. And so he goes and visits family. They're all weeping. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, are weeping and despairing. And he just goes up to the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus comes out. He was in darkness, literally. He was in Hades. He was shut out in a tomb. When he heard these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face, face wrapped with a cloth. He had all the burial things on him. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. You see, being sitting in darkness becomes light. And so, so light comes from the presence of God. And so you might be sitting in darkness. You might know people in darkness. Say, Lazarus, come out. And, and burst open the tomb. And you're going to see people come out from darkness to light. Do you remember the woman of John 8? Said she was caught in adultery, the very act, it says. Goodness. She was a whole before the court, thrown down in front of an angry mob, men who were very righteous, it says, we're going to stone her because that's what the law says. Do you remember this? Her spirit fainted. Can you imagine what she was feeling? Her spirit fainted, about to be killed. Jesus, hang on, hang on, not yet. If you haven't sinned, you can throw the stone. This is the, they all left, the oldest first. They're probably more aware of their sinful nature than we are, goodness. But no one there. And Jesus says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she becomes courageous. She says, no. Go, live, sin no more, but live. So, so her spirit fainting became courage. She became courageous, full courage. You see, we're going to be surrounded by people who the world is saying, angry mob, angry mob, but we're going to know, no, we're going to rescue people from the angry mob. And say, come on, we're all imperfect. We're going to speak life and healing and blessing. Last one, remember the disciples in the boat. They were appalled. In John 6, 18, the sea became rough because of a strong wind. And when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And coming near the boat, they were frightened. It's just crazy. They're in a storm in a sea and Jesus is walking on the water. That's interesting. But because they were so frightened, they said, just come in. And he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat. It's good to have Jesus in your boat, right? It's good to have him here. Come in, jump in, please, Jesus. They were glad. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. <laughs> like turbocharged. Sure. Safe. From a heart that was appalled. Fearing drowning in a storm to being safer. That's what Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit, this river, it brings life 
how many people do you know that need this river of life to them? How many people do you know living in a dead sea? And how many people do you know that, that are in one of these conditions that we just go, I, I've got the answer. I've got it. If, if only you could hear this, if only you could experience the river. Because the river is what, what changes them. It's not you and I, it's the river. We, we can get the river of the Holy Spirit connecting with people and telling you these miracles will happen again today. People will turn from darkness to light. They're from being appalled to being courageous and life and safe. That's the mission of the church. You see it? See, church is a place not for the well. Sorry if you're well here this morning. I'm sorry if you've got your life together. I'm not preaching to you. I mean, it's good that you're here. Don't not come. But actually, we're here to turn mourning into dancing. Put dancing into it. And then, there you go. But we're actually here that we can help people in a journey. Church is a place where the well, the sick get well, where the poor get rich, where those who are oppressed get free. That that's happens in the church. Church is not this perfect little holy club where we all polite and do everything well. We're fallen, broken people on a journey. But when the presence of God gets amongst us, change happens, shift happens. And you'll find that the presence of God will bring all kinds of situations that you can speak into and bring life to. I'm not just talking inside the walls. I mean, that's, we just meet here for a bit, right? It's what happens when we go out. The church in the community, bringing life, rivers of blessing wherever we go. That's the church. We're just here to kind of, bit of a sort of locker room meet, you know, before the game. We are passionate about positioning our church. Now, here's the shift, right? Here's the shift. This is what's really exciting. Forgive me if I'm a little unhinged this morning. We're almost 16. How old are we? 16, 17 years old. We'll, in March next year, we'll be 17 years old as a church. I love what's been built here. You know, I love the church. I love the people. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in church. It's kind of, now we're done. Aren't we? Isn't it time now to just to turn our gaze beyond? Like, this is good. I love our church, the Orange Streets, fabulous. But, and I love this. I love it. But isn't it time now to build something that's going to be a real blessing to the people beyond us? It's not about this. It's about coming together and seeing what kind of river that we can set off in our community, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friends, in our neighborhoods. Let's, let's roll up our sleeves and start to think and dream and pray about what we could build. Because I tell you, there's a lot of good work going on, but it doesn't solve the problem. The problem is that the devil is attacking people. The problem is that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. No amount of NDIS funding can help that. Love our NDIS, love all that, but actually, it's not the solution. No amount of politics or referendums or whatever, we've, you know, it's not going to change it. 
what changes it is the Holy Spirit and the power of God getting inside of people. No solution that our world, and, and I love what our world is trying to do. It, it has good intentions, but it doesn't have the source of the river, which is actually going to change things. So I'm going to wrap up. It's four things that we're going to do. Pray. We're going to have possibility thinking. We're going to have planning, and we're going to have finances. Pray. We've got to start with prayer. We've got to start thinking, what, what can we build? What would what, what our church building look like if we started again? And we, you know that we're saving for a bell tower. What does it look like? Is it just a bigger auditorium? Or is it a place to intersect with our community? Is it a place where people can come and get well, really? Start possibility. Let's start thinking. And we're going to have some times, things like a town hall meeting, a place where we can just get together and dream. Some ideas will stick. Some ideas won't. But, but to, to get the ideas of the room and go, you know what? Here's three or four things that we, we could pursue. Lord, guide us. What do you think about how we help our city? That's the prayer and the possibilities. And then that leads to some planning. That's why I'm telling you it's September. We've got, we've got three months to really start to, to think how might this work. And then there's some finances. What we've been saving, and you know that, we've, you know, got, got some, we'll tell you the numbers when I know the numbers. But we've, we've been saving, right? We've, we've locked aside a savings and, and you contribute with life build. And that's building up. It's, it's fabulous. We've got a long way to go. But that money is for the community. That money is to build something that we can bless our community. And I wonder what that could be. I wonder what niche in our region we could stir. That's why I'm passionate about life build. That's why Ro and I personally give a lot of money to this. That's why we're going to take some time this September, not just to dream, but to plan and pray and to give into this. So really simply, on your seats or in front of you, there's some little cards. The end of the month, I think it's the 25th, the last Sunday of September, we're going to have a time of just taking up some pledges. What, what can you give to this over the course of the next year? Most of us don't have uh, you know, mass money to give. We're most of us just giving <laughs> each week, each month. Just, but I tell you, it's the little bits. It's the little bits. It's the, it's the trickle from the altar. It becomes a mighty stream. So start to think, what, what could I contribute to life build, to building lives, to facilities that we could bless our community with into the next year? And that QR code and the card in front of you, you can just take home and just stick it in your Bible and just come back to it every now and then. Pray, Lord, how can I help? How can I be a part of this? What, what do you see in my neck of the woods, Lord? What sort of river needs to flow into my community? But I just want to finish in prayer for you that the Lord would start stirring and building and giving you a picture just like he gave Ezekiel. A vision of the presence of God flowing in through the church, out into the community. Start to see it. What do you think he's doing? Lord Jesus, come and ignite our imagination in the presence of God. Like you took Ezekiel and you showed him a picture of the future. You showed him the church. 
He showed him the, this river that would turn salty waters fresh. You showed him how life would flourish wherever that river flows. The Lord comes. 2024, Bathurst region. Show us today what that looks like. Show us where this river could flow through us in our world, through our church, blessing our people, causing darkness to light, being a pool to courage through. Jesus, start a fire inside of our hearts where we would see life flowing. Amen.